You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Revelation 3, I want you to notice with me verse number 1. It says, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Remember we talked about last week, we got into this, that Sardis had a name. If you would have gone around town and you would have been doing interviews and asking people about the church here in Sardis, they would have said, boy, that church, they're alive. They're well. God said, you were alive and well in name, but in reality, you were dead. And let's, let's remind ourselves and uh, let's uh, make sure we never start to think that just because we can put up a front and impress people, that therefore we've got God fooled. <laughs> You know you can't fool God, right? I think we understand that. There's a lot of people you can fool, but you cannot, you will not, I will not fool God. God knows, and he identified the church at Sardis that they were dead spiritually. Be watchful, verse 2, and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast. And repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name, not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father. And before his angels, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. We ended last week, really, with verse 3, that idea of remember. I told you the story of John Newton, who was that uh, slave trader who was gloriously, miraculously saved. And he had in his uh, study, he had that that marquee or that, that sign that he had in his office that says, Remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt until the Lord redeem thee. And I hope we never forget the day we got saved. Hope you never forget the day that Jesus came in. Uh, Joanna sang that song. Do you remember? You remember when you were drowning in sin? Remember when you, you were lost and you, you had no hope? And remember the difference that Jesus made when he came in? Well, by the way, you're as saved today as you were the day you got saved. So let's act like it. Let's rejoice in it. and Let's praise God for salvation. And I thank God for uh, that truth that we can remember uh, the day we got saved. But then it goes on to say, remember how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. I want to start on this subject of holding fast and we'll get into this uh, passage and I think we'll finish up tonight. But I want you to especially note in your Bible that phrase, And hold fast. Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts and help us to take uh, the word of God. And I pray that we would allow the Holy Spirit to speak and to give us exactly what we need for this time tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Job is where really we find the first mention of some things in life that we must hold fast. 
It says in the book of Job that he held fast his integrity. Did you know there are some things in life that are out of your control? There are some things in life that are out of your grip, but your integrity should not be one of those. That's up to you. You can't, you can't place the blame on anybody else. You can't point the finger at anybody else. If you are going to maintain your integrity, that's up to you. That, that's an individual thing. The Bible says in Job 27, 6, Job said that he would hold fast righteousness. There's something else that'd be good to hold on to. By the way, the, the word hold fast, it just means get a good solid grip and don't let go. Hold fast integrity, hold fast righteousness. Proverbs 4 says this, hold fast to instruction. Can I tell you, instruction and wisdom from God is so valuable. You better get it and you better hold on to it and you better use it every day of your life because this world is hard to navigate without the instruction and the teaching and the truth of God's word. Hold fast to instruction. The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah that the uh, people of God were backslidden and the Bible says they held fast to their deceit. Ooh, that's not something you want to hang on to. That's not something you want to get a tight grip on. Say, yeah, I've been deceiving people for a long time. I fooled my spouse and I fooled my kids and I fooled my parents and I fooled my coworkers and fooled my church members and boy, I'm putting on a good show. I'm going to keep this going. Don't hold on to that. Let that go. Repent of that. Be real with God. Get right with God. And let's not hold fast deceit. Let's hold fast righteousness and truth. First Thessalonians says, hold fast that which is good. Second Timothy says, hold fast sound words, sound doctrine. I tell you, this world is crazy. And the things that people will try to tell you, the ideas people will try to convince you of, I'm telling you what, there is deceit everywhere you turn. And so you've got to hold fast to sound doctrine. So, well, pastor, that's why I come to church because I get all my sound doctrine at church. Well, church is a great place to get it. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you're here tonight, uh, Sunday school. But you're going to have to get in the Bible for yourself also. You're going to have to get some sound doctrine that you study the scriptures and you search the scriptures so you know what the Bible teaches, so you know what is truth. Titus says, hold fast the faithful word. I'm glad this book right here is faithful. It's true. It's dependable. But I like this. Hebrews says that we are to hold fast our confidence. You know, the Bible never says that you have to hold fast and hang on tight to your salvation because you might lose your salvation. The Bible says in Hebrews twice, it says, hold fast to your profession. I think that's important because if you don't hold fast to your profession of faith, then Satan's going to come and he's going to put doubts in your mind. Well, you didn't really get saved. You didn't really mean it. Oh yeah, you just, you didn't really understand it all that day you got saved. You better hold fast to the profession of your faith. You better hold fast to the day you got saved and, 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 and the time that you got saved. But I'm glad you don't have to hold on to your salvation. By the way, if you did have to hold on to that, that's too big for you to hold on to. That's way too much to hold on to because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are commanded to hold on. 
to that which is true and that which is right and that which is good and that is holy. It never says we're supposed to hold on to our salvation. And by the way, the Bible also does not teach that you have to hold on to God. Now, I understand when we say we need to hang on tight to God's hand. That song, hold to God's unchanging hand. I think it's a great song and I think we should walk with the Lord. I was thinking tonight as I was leaving the house, I was walking with Micah and I was holding his hand and he, was, he had just gotten up from his nap. Boy, doesn't that sound good about now? A nice long afternoon nap that none of us got, but you know, our children who don't want naps, they get and Micah took a nice long nap. As a matter of fact, he was a little groggy, you know, waking up and coming over to church. And we're coming out the front door and I'm just envisioning he's groggy. He's half asleep. He's coming down the stairs. He's coming out the house. And I just pictured, you know, a big old wipeout right in front of the steps. And boy, that's not a good way to go to church. And so I'm holding on to his hand. And as I was holding on to his hand, I felt his little fingers squeezing mine. But here's the great thing. Micah's safety and protection was not dependent upon his grip. It was dependent upon my grip. And can I tell you, your salvation is not dependent upon your grip. It's dependent on his grip. And his hands and his grip will never, ever, ever let you go. It doesn't matter what you go through. It doesn't matter the storms. It doesn't matter the, the burdens that you go through. God will not let you go. I like that song. I'm not holding on to Jesus. He's holding on to me. And uh, we are to hold fast to the truth. We're to hold fast to that which is right. And here in Revelation chapter 3, it's found in Revelation uh, 2, verse 13. Revelation 2, 25. Revelation 3, 3. And again, Revelation 3, 11, We see that these churches were commanded to hold fast. Well, what were they supposed to hold fast to? They were supposed to hold fast to that which they had heard and that which they had received. They were supposed to hold on to the truth. Let's pick up where we left off last week uh, in Re uh, Revelation chapter 3. Number one, we saw the Holy Spirit. Number two, we saw the history of the church. Number three, we saw the help that was needed. Number four, we see the command to hold fast. Number one is remember. We saw that. We talked about that last week. Remember some things. Don't forget what God has done for you. Uh, the Bible saying it, look what God has done. Look at all the blessings. Don't forget what God has done. Remember what God has done. But then we see next, it says, hold fast and remember. But then number two, hold fast that which you have received. You see, as Christians, brother JR, I just saw you there. We've been praying for you. And the fact you're here, that's a good thing, recovering from uh, shoulder surgery. Brother JR, have, did you notice... These last about two or three weeks, and Miss Monica, uh, Glenn's wife too, and then Pam, everybody had shoulder surgery. And you know what? That's one of my fears when I'm reading prayer requests, because that is a tongue twister. If you don't believe it, try saying shoulder surgery three times fast sometime. I mean, that's a tongue twister, but we're glad you're here, glad you're doing better. But it says that to hold on to that which you have received. God has given us so much. The story is told of a woman, and this is not a story from Roanoke Rapids, so don't think I'm telling the story on anyone in this church. The story is told of a woman who had finished shopping and she returned to her car. When she returned to her car, she found 
four men inside the car. She immediately dropped her shopping bags. She pulled out her handgun. She pointed the gun at the car and screamed, I have a gun and I know how to use it. Get out of my car. The men did not wait for her to repeat her command. They got out of the car and they ran as fast as they could. The woman, obviously shaken, she put her shopping bags in the car and she got in and she tried to get her key to work in the ignition. And no matter how hard she tried, her key would not work in the ignition. Then it dawned on her. This looked like her car, but this was not her car. Her car was parked about four or five spaces away. So she loaded her grocery bags into her own car. She drove immediately to the police station and turned herself in. The desk sergeant to whom she told the story nearly fell out of his chair laughing. He pointed to the other end of the counter where there were four men who reported a carjacking by an old woman with thick glasses, curly white hair, less than five feet tall, carrying a large handgun. No charges were filed, thankfully. But you see, the problem was that she thought it was her car, but it really belonged to someone else. And you know what our problem is many times? We think what we have belongs to us. But it doesn't belong to us. It's been entrusted to us. It's been given to us by God, but everything we have belongs to God. Say, well, I got all this stuff, and boy, I remember I worked hard for it, and I saved, and I sacrificed, and yes, I understand all that, and I'm glad you worked, and I I think people ought to work, and I think people ought to earn their way. Absolutely. But it's God who gave us the strength. It's God who gave us the ability. It's God that gave us the job. It's God that gave us the opportunity to to wake up in the morning. And these people at Sardis, they forgot what they had received. They had been given so much from God. And they started to think that it was because of them. We see, number one, under this uh, point of holding fast, number one, remember, Number two, we have received and we have heard and we've been given so much, but to whom much is given, the Bible says much is required. You see, when God has given you and God has given me so much, there is much required of that. I often wonder when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and and of course, I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, so to speak, tonight because you're here at church. But I wonder when we get before the judgment seat of Christ, I wonder if it'll come up about maybe people that, for whatever reason, they just stopped going to church, just got out for whatever reason. And then I wonder if at that judgment seat of Christ, I wonder if there'll be people there who maybe lived in a communist country or lived in a place where they didn't have a church or they literally risked their lives to get to church. And can I tell you, I think it will be revealed at the judgment seat of Christ just how much we have been given. We have been given so much. We are so blessed. God has been so good to us, and it's certainly not because of us, but it's because of Him that we have all that we have. God has blessed us. We've received so much. But next we see in Revelation chapter 3, it says, remember, uh, hold fast, and repent. 
The word repent is a word that we don't use a lot anymore. We should because it is a Bible word. But the word repent literally means to turn with contrition, to turn from sin and to turn to God. Many times people only turn from sin because they get, in, get caught. Many times people only turn from sin because the consequences uh, come up and then they're trying to do damage control. But this word repent, literally it has the idea of saying, I realize what I have done is wrong. I'm sorry about it. And I am turning from my sin and I am coming to God because I want to get things right with God. The story is told of two boys who were left home. Uh, their parents left them home and told them that they would be back. And the boys, while they were home alone by themselves, while the parents were gone, they, they broke a very valuable vase that was there in the home. It was a very valuable piece. It was a sentimental piece. And uh, the boys knew they were in trouble. So very quickly, they swept it up, made a neat little pile and put it right where it was and placed a note on that table for the parents when they returned home. Well, the parents got home from uh, their outing and they came in and they thought the house was very quiet. How many know if you leave two boys at home and you come home and it's quiet, something's wrong, right? And uh, as a matter of fact, in my house, if you leave two girls home and uh, you come home and it's quiet, something's wrong. And so the parents came in and they were actually a little concerned because there was no sound in the house and began to walk through to see what was going on and to try to find out where the boys were. And there was the pile with the pieces of the broken vase. And there was the note that was left with that pile of broken pieces of the vase. And the note said... Mom and dad, we're so sorry that we broke the vase. We put ourselves to bed with no supper. <laughs> Love you, sign the boys. Well, you know what those boys did? They punished themselves, right? They really, they tried to get things right before it was found out. Now, here's what we do. We try to clean up the pieces and we try to hide the pieces. We try to make excuses, right? We try to justify our sin. We try to blame, do we not? Well, it was, it was so-and-so or it was them or it was that. But the truth is God's looking for people that will be honest with him and come clean with our sin and to repent before God is the one that discovers it and before God is the one that has to judge it. You see, if you judge yourself, if you'll be harder on yourself sometimes, God won't have to be so hard. But we see the call for this church to repent. Repent is a Bible word and God help us that we are so comfortable in our sin and we have become so complacent with our sin. And many times we don't even think sin is sin anymore. Sin is just what everybody else does, but we don't sin. Oh yes, we do. All have sin. We're all sinners. We all are in need of repentance uh, on a regular basis. But then I see next, I see the fact that God wanted their, uh, their sin to be repented of. But then God said, if you don't get things right, God said, I will remove. Notice what it says in verse three. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief 
and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. If they did not repent what they had, God said, I'm going to come as a thief. What does a thief do? Thief takes things. And God says, I've given you all these things, but I've given them to you, but I can also take them away. Remember what Job said after he lost everything he had? He said, the Lord's the one that gave and the Lord's the one that has taken away. And that's up to him. He's God. He can do that. So the church at Sardis was warned. You see, in the Christian life, if you don't use the blessings that God has given you, you may lose the blessings. If you don't use the, 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 the talents and if you don't use the opportunities that God has given you, God may take those away. I've said it so many times about our church, and I'll say it now about our school, Brother uh, Dan and Miss Kelly and all of our staff, but God's given us a privilege. God has given us an opportunity that, 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 that most churches, if they, if they wanted it, may never have. But God's given us an opportunity to teach and to train young people with the Word of God and to give them a good, solid education from a biblical Christian perspective. What a, what a privilege. But if we don't use that privilege, I believe that God could very easily and very quickly take it away and say, if you're not going to use what I've given you, then I'll remove it. And God told the church at Sardis that he would come as a thief and he would remove those things if they did not repent. I'm not talking tonight about losing your salvation. I'm not saying God's going to come and he's going to come like a thief and snatch away your... No, no, no. He's not going to take away salvation. That's forever. But the blessings of God power of God, the hand of God, uh, the wisdom of God. If you don't use those things, and if I don't use those things for God's glory, he can take those away. Number four, the, the, the point there is to hold fast. Number five, quickly, we see the word is holy. The Bible says in verse number four that there were some that did not defile their garments. That word defile, it means to stain. You see, the book of Jude tells us that as Christians, we ought to hate when our garments are stained by the flesh. Now, of course, we're not talking about physical garments. We're not talking about that. We're talking about our, our spiritual garments. We're talking about putting on the, 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 the spiritual righteousness that God commands us to do. Notice verse number five. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. Well, you know what's true about white raiment? You don't want it to be stained. You don't want there to be uh, blotches and you don't want there to be marks and you don't want there to be blemishes. And God is telling the church that there were some whose garments were holy. They were not defiled with the wickedness of the world. The word white here and the fact that the garments were white, it means that they had been washed. They had been made pure. They had made, been made clean. Isaiah 1 tells us that it is the blood of Jesus that can make our, our sin, although it was the, the sin was scarlet, it can be as white as snow. And hallelujah for the blood of Jesus that makes us holy. But then it's the blood of Jesus that we confess our sin and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Notice with me, if you would, and. Revelation um, chapter 3 and verse number 18. The Bible says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. God said for a Christian 
that does not have holiness, they are literally, they are walking around unclothed because God desires for his people to walk with him, to be right with him, to be holy, to be pure, to be godly. That's the way a Christian is supposed to live. That's the garment. Uh, for those of you that have a uniform for work, you, you get up in the morning and what do you do? You put that on. And you show up to work and you say, I didn't feel like wearing my uniform today. Well, I mean, if that's what the boss says, that's what you're supposed to do, then you need to do that, right? Otherwise, they're going to say, what's their problem? What's, what's her problem? What's his problem? Well, every day God commands us to put on the armor of God. God commands us to put on the breastplate of righteousness and to have the belt of truth and the, uh, the, the, the shield of faith and the feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace and the, our loins girt about with truth and all those pieces. God wants us every day to put on a garment, a raiment of righteousness and holiness. God wants his people to be holy. But then I, I like what it says in verse 4. They shall walk with me in white. Does that mean that when you sin, God will not walk with you? No, but it means when we sin, our fellowship is broken. Our closeness is not what it ought to be. God says, I want my people to walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Now, let me remind you, the only way we're worthy is because the blood of Jesus has been applied to our lives. We are unworthy, but when the blood is applied, we are made worthy through Christ. Number six, let's go quickly here. We see that Jesus reminds this church about heaven. It says in verse five, he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Now, when I think of the rewards at the judgment seat, when I think of the rewards of heaven, I often think about the crowns that we will receive. Um, Joanna sang about that. Uh, Lay down your, your crown of glory and cast it at the Savior's feet. That's what I often think about. But you know, another reward in heaven is going to be this. When Jesus sees you, when he sees me, and he says to the Father, he says, Father, Henry, he's with me. Dan, he's with me. Ben, he's with me. When the Son confesses us before the Father and before the angels. He says, oh, and by the way, angels, you see J.R.? You see, buddy? And I know the ladies are going to be in heaven too, but I just, I started calling the men's names. I don't want y'all to, you know, to think, oh, pastor knows something about, you know, Kelly and Joanne and Melinda. Brother Dan, you want to testify a little while? We're praying for Miss Kelly that she'll get saved. We're actually, we're praying that she'll be able to put up with Brother Dan. How many of you know that's a prayer request? We need to put that on the prayer sheet. But can you imagine what that'll be like to have your name called in heaven? Because Jesus says, I will confess you before my Father and before the angels. But I want to tell you, there are some names that Jesus will not confess. And those are the names of those who are not written in the book of life. Turn with me in closing to Revelation 20. Revelation 20. The Bible says in verse number 14, 
It says in death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. This is the great white throne judgment. In verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. See, God reminds his people about heaven and he talks about those that overcome. Uh, overcoming is not what gets you to heaven. Overcoming is the victorious Christian life. You get to heaven because Jesus overcame death and hell and the grave and Jesus rose again and we're trusting in him for salvation. But when we overcome, here's what we're saying. We're saying how I live for Jesus and what I do for Jesus I believe it matters. I want my life to count. I want to do something to please my Lord and Savior after all that he's done for me. And he that overcometh, Jesus said, he will be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. You see, the fact that we are going to heaven, that ought to be reason to overcome. Not to try to get to heaven, but because we are going. And what a reminder, a reminder that someday we're going to walk with him. So, well, Pastor, I try to walk with Jesus every day. Good, you should and I should every single day. But there's coming a day when you're going to walk with him and you're going to see him face to face. What a motivation that ought to be. When my life's work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, when the glory of his resurrection I see, I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side and his smile will be the first to welcome me. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? I can't begin to imagine. I'll promise you this, when you get to heaven and you see Jesus, there will be no regrets for what you did for him down here. You'll not say, I wish I would have done less. I think we'll all probably say, I wish I would have given him more. But we see heaven, the reason to overcome, the reminder of overcoming, and then the reward. He will confess our name before his Father and before the angels. And then lastly, again, we see the reminder in verse 6 to hear. This is a command. God commands us to hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And then I see not only the, the command, but I see the command is to or directed to the churches. Now, I, I've wondered this, and, and maybe, maybe you've got an answer for me, and I'd love to hear it after the service. But I believe that the church is God's plan for his people. Without a doubt, I just, I believe the, the local New Testament church, that is God's plan for his people. I, I believe every Christian ought to be a part of a church. I'm not saying every Christian has to be a part of this church. We don't have room for every Christian to be a part of this church, but I believe every Christian ought to be a part of a good Bible preaching church. But I wonder this, if God is still speaking today, and I believe he is speaking, and I believe the Holy Spirit is still speaking. Without a doubt, I know the Holy Spirit is still speaking. Uh, because that trumpet hasn't sounded yet and the Holy Spirit is living inside of us and I know the Holy Spirit is at work and the Holy Spirit's power is not limited. So if that's true, do you think that God would speak to people at church where people are under the preaching of the word and people are hearing the singing and we're having a time of prayer and where we're being obedient to God's command to assemble and to gather together? Don't you think God would speak at church? Now, maybe I'm just 
maybe I'm just so simple-minded that, that just the way it works, I just think, well, you know, if this is God's plan and we come to church like God says, that God's going to speak to us at church. But if that's true, and I think it is, I wonder then if we're not in church, I wonder if there's things that we never hear, that we're supposed to hear. I wonder if there's some memos that we miss from God if we're not in the place where God wants us to be. I'm just saying this, God's got a message for us, and I hope we will hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.